Yo, the world, what's up? Back. Another week on the Shetler Show. I got another awesome guest, Mr. Chad Knight. Damn, I'm so hyped for you guys to hear this one. We talked all about the storm and how corny but fucking epic that was. How it could be either way. We talked about life. We talked about 3D modeling for vans and DC. Um, yeah, Chad's just a real down-to-earth dude, and I always loved his skating, like, growing up, I watched him in all the videos, like, like I said, the storm, dude, I had D3s, you know what I mean, people cracked so hard on it, but I had them, I ran them, I skated them, I loved those videos, I was like, those dudes were gods to us, so, to, like, see someone skating through the years, and see him in magazines, and read interviews, to be able to sit down, and actually talk with Chad, and just chop it up, like, you know, like we already know each other, because real recognize real and skateboarders we all recognize each other like if you really skate you can just kind of you see it's like a mirror you see each other you're like ah, i recognize you take same qualities to, to to actually follow through and be a skateboarder and do what it takes to learn those tricks and be creative and it takes so much stuff man um yeah so this episode's heavy uh today i went to salem mass with my lady dash and uh i never been to salem but that's where the witches are and the witch trials and all that and uh we went and it was <laughs> it was a big tourist section but they had a lot of cool stuff man there was a lot of cool stores and little cutty spots we walked around checked it all out uh overall it was a beautiful day it was so sick and everyone's in costumes and got their dogs and little kids dressed up and stuff um it was a good it was a good day well spent with my lady uh, what else is there? Oh, this episode's brought to you by All I Need Skateboards. Uh, what can I say? Group of friends started this brand in a recession. Everyone just said, fuck it, let's do it, man. Let's create something cool and see if we can grow this. And uh, we all just believe in each other. And we all put in the same work. And everyone just stays positive and pushes forward. And we just focus on that, man. Skateboarding. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, you can check out allineedskate.com, and uh, we got t-shirts. Right now, we got these sick-ass windbreakers. I just rocked it all all this weekend because on the East Coast, it's slightly like, you know, it's fall, so it's sunny, and then it's raining the next minute. Had the windbreaker, the All I Need windbreaker is fresh, forest green. Got to rock that through Providence, skated around the city. That city is so sick. Seriously, my homie Casey Pipe, shout out, man casey pipes money cup in providence uh it's sick it's just like this spot in the middle of providence and uh it wasn't a skate spot but then i guess the city let them build some uh some ramps up there and they basically took a street spot and they turned it into a skate park so it's like a hybrid now and it's sick it's right downtown and they my homie casey had like a little money cup where everyone showed up and skated and he was throwing out like five dollar bills and like for for rad tricks and like there was so many people just mobbed out it was sick everyone's skating so many different styles it's sick just to be in the city and stuff but uh yes that was this weekend and uh yeah i don't know it trips me out i love skateboarders man that's I want skateboarders to take over the whole world. Like, this weekend we were skating and this, we were getting kicked out of a spot. The security guard walked up to us and uh, he was going to kick us out. But before he did, he's like, hey, I recognize you. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm Anthony. Nice to meet you. And he's like, Anthony Shetler? With all I need? I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. He knew all about it. And, and the, the, the raddest part was like, 
he started talking about my homie Billy Drown. He was like, oh, yeah, I seen All I Need video with Billy Drown. And I was like, Billy's right there. I just pointed at Billy. I was like, he's right there, right next to you. He's like, oh, you're Billy. He shook his hand and everything. That was so tight. And then he didn't even kick us out. He just proceeded to, like, go, yeah, I want a tray flip. Let me show you my tray flip. And he has, like, work boots on and the full security outfit. I'm like, all right, here's my board. But hold on, let me get my camera. Let me get my camera. We're outside. His bosses are across the street, and they're, like, telling him, like, get over here. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to, hold on, hold on, these dudes. I know these dudes, I'm going to tray flip. He tried one tray flip, he fell. And I was like, ah, get one more. He got one more. He fucking landed it. I filmed it. And, uh, his bosses were cracking up. But, uh, yeah, it was such a cool experience, man. It's rad. And, uh, I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the podcast and for supporting all I need. It's so rad. I know we all, you know, I don't know. It just means a lot to me. Whenever I see someone rocking an all-I-need t-shirt or beanie or whatever, man, like, it's so cool that someone's willing to take their hard-earned money and, and, and invest it into skateboarding and helping, like, push everything that's going on, you know? The brand is all I need. It's all I need skateboarding. Like, let's grow skateboarding. I don't, all of us together, like, whatever we got to do. If we got to put money into it or if we have to create the events or however it's got to be done, like... Those who really love it got to do stuff within it and stay inspired and psyched and throw the jams, throw the contests, start the brands, open the shops, like push to get the skate parks built. Even if it's in the middle of the city and you just DIY it or whatever you got to do, man. Like, I don't know. I know you guys love skateboarding like me. I know it's a need in your life. That's why, like, as you get older, it doesn't leave your life. It doesn't because it's something you need in your life. It's like you need joy. You need happiness. You need creativity express to express yourself. And skateboarding is like a vehicle for that. So I know you guys feel that. All you real people out there, you always give me feedback. And it means the world to me. So I thank you so much. And I want to be as real and transparent with you guys as possible. I'm thankful for every penny that we get when people buy All I Need products. And I put that money right back into skateboarding. We do skateboard trips. We do the New England M annual contest. I do this podcast. Like I just paid 500 bucks today to to have another year's worth of storage space for my podcast like i don't care I, i'm putting money into it because i love doing this and the feedback and you guys are telling me that you like hearing these episodes and i don't know i feel like it's it's growing skateboarding or, or i feel like it's my way of trying to grow skateboarding and keep it progressing in even a different way you know but um yeah i got so much to say but really i'm just gonna leave it up to the rest of the podcast i'll come back I'll see you next week. I release these weekly, sometimes twice a week. I'd love to do this even more. I'm not going to lie. If I had more free time, a little less time working and more podcasting, I would not be mad at that. But um, right now, everything's lovely. I know you guys are lovely. Everyone's chilling, skating, happy, healthy, got family, friends. And if you don't, you can listen to a podcast. I'll be your friend, homie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chad Nights the Man. Enjoy this one. And once again, thank you for everything. Hands down, you guys are the best. Peace. This is the Shetler Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability to make up. When things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. I hope to get it. I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners. We claim the victories. Yeah, come on. It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. We're in a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it, you know, and sometimes you don't think about getting hurt or slamming, but, you know, it happens, it's skateboarding, you know, it happens every day. Yep.
people are worried about skateboarding and the skate state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like it's like we take over the streets. Hey man, I it's a fucking busy day. Now I'm chilling. So, um, just a heads up. In like an hour, I'm gonna have to go down and let somebody into my place. Okay. So I don't know if we can like cut and then. Yeah, we can do whatever, dude. There's no fu- there's no rules actually. Uh, you could go- step out of the room, whatever. I can enter okay. in or whatever. But um, cool. Let me see. I'm gonna give you the rundown, then I give most of the guests. Um, okay. There's no censorship. You can say whatever you want. The best thing about podcasting is that like. It's not like you can be taken out of context because you can literally just, you know, you can talk until your lungs run out of air. So, um, <laughs> no censorship. Um, you can say whatever you want. If you say something crazy, we just got to discuss it. I don't think you will, but I might say something crazy. <laughs> um, besides that, I think we're good, man. Hey, do you listen to podcasts at all? Kind of. I mean, I listen. Oh, let me turn this shit down. It's just that loud. Um, now, my TV in the background was. I do, and I just started to more and more frequently, but um, I listened to, like, I, I listened to several of yours, so I'm well aware of the no censorship thing. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> yeah, but it's rad, man. I'm stoked on it. I think it's a cool thing. Yeah, I think we need it in, in life and in skateboarding right now. We kind of just need people to be honest and real and not try to, like, church shit up. Just be real about it. I think it's awesome. Um, cool. Well, I'm going to start this off a little differently. Um, I know we haven't really met, but I was like kind of looking on the internet and I was like, I wonder if Chad has a Wikipedia page. And oh man, <laughs> I pulled up a Wikipedia page and it says Chad Knight, but it's definitely not you. But is it, he's an American actor in gay pornography and he's, he, is. he made, he starred in 85 original films. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he can, well, <laughs> What was interesting was he could considers he was more productive than I was. Yeah, he was very busy. He was very he had more video parts for sure. It says Chad Knight considered himself a versatile yeah. bisexual performer who preferred the top, but was best known for his work on the bottom. I had no idea that that was like a thing. <laughs> I'm proud to say I didn't either. Yeah. No what, idea. Well, the whole thing is, I was wondering. You should probably get someone to get on the Chad Knight skateboarder. Uh, wikipedia page because that could be yeah. kind of strange <laughs> it could be and it's strange that it, it never seemed to come up more than it than it does yeah like you think that that would come up more often you know like with people with I mean, the internet now you know he had but, 85 films so he's fucking killing it <laughs> <laughs> so here's a good story about that though when uh the internet I guess when first, not well, when the internet came out, but when people first started doing like personal websites and whatnot. Yeah. That chadnight.com um, would link you directly to an adult video store. Wow. Like someone, the guy who owned that store had bought chadnight.com and it was getting like sales through redirects of that site. So I had to contact the guy and he just gave it to me. He was like, screw it, you can just have it. Wow, that's so crazy. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but my mom always makes sure that she tells people to to Google Chad Knight skateboarder. Uh, not yeah. <laughs> Chad. 
<laughs> you're, I didn't even think about your family and what they would think if they Googled your name and came up with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, they probably have safe search on, which probably saves them a lot, but... <laughs> true, true. <laughs> That's ridiculous, man. Um, yeah, like I was saying before I before we started this, man, I was watching your parts getting hyped, man. I, I watched a lot of your parts when I was uh, younger, when they all came out, like the Osiris, the Storm, and I seen you in all the Forum Ones and stuff like that. Um, my God, how are your knees holding up, dude? Because you jumped down some big stuff too. I'm I'm in remarkably good shape. Like my back will hurt every once in a while, but other than that, I'm totally fine. Do you work out, or did you stretch, or do you do you have a regiment or anything? I think I just have good genes. Like, I haven't worked out in five years or done anything even remotely physical. Damn. So, it's like, I still skateboard every once in a while with my son, but other than that, like, I think I got out pretty good. Yeah. Like, I would expect to be a mess right now, but I'm sure I'm sure in time it'll get worse, you know what I mean? But, like, right now, like, I'm pretty stoked on how i feel no that's awesome dude yeah because i was watching it and i was like god dude i mean i jumped down big stuff too but i was like dude you your heavy portion i was like this guy's charging it it was sick it I, that type of skating gets me so hyped because i know the yeah, feeling you ride away <laughs> wait say it again yeah i love the feeling when you ride away from something that you're like i think i can do this and you just kind of huck it and hang oh, yeah. and such a rad feeling yeah that's right I mean, so, that's kind of... what's that Okay. No, go ahead. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you where where you were from, because uh, I know a lot of that footage was in California. Yeah, um, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and then um, did the standard, graduated high school, and then jumped in my car with my buddies and moved out to San Diego. Was it for skating? Yeah, because I had sponsors already at that time. Oh, sick. so I had like planned this out in my head, you know, like this is what I want to do since. I guess since the time I found out professional skateboarders existed, you know, like in when I was like 15 or 14, I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So, you know, it was like right when I graduated, the next week we just packed up the car and went out. Damn, you were fucking confident. <laughs> well, I was lucky, though. I was fortunate to have sponsors out in California already. Oh, yeah. That were helping me make that transition. You know, like I landed at somebody's house when I came out here. And stay with them, and it wasn't like just driving into some void where you don't know what's what lies ahead. Yeah. Like things were there was there's people there that I already knew that made it a lot easier. Um, how long have you been skateboarding for? Uh, I think I started somewhere around ten, ten or eleven. I'm yeah. thirty now, so really, really long time. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Were, yeah. Were your parents super supportive of you, or were they kind of over it? Um, I think they were, but it, it went back and forth, because in that in those days, it wasn't like it is now, you know? It was like the people that it was associated with were um, just, I don't know, like, you know, everybody was associated with, like, Troublemaker, the dudes that were doing drugs in the middle school. That's who the skateboarders were. So my parents didn't know any better, and that's kind of what they uh, associated it with. So they were supportive, but it was all, I grew up in a really traditional family. So they were all, you know, my older siblings did uh, traditional sports, so that's really what they wanted me to do. Yeah. But I think once they realized that that's what, like, I really, really attached to, 
and um, and just thrived in. Like I was addicted to it, and that's they saw that and saw how passionate I was about it. And I think that's when they were like, "All right, well, you know, then we'll support this." Like this, he's obviously really into this. Somebody he loves. That's right. And that, yeah, they were very supportive after that. Um, I know it's so weird that skate. I mean, I get it because skateboarding it started in the streets, kind of. You know, like especially on the East Coast, it was less like. We didn't have, like, the surf history in skating. It was kind of just, like, the misfits. They, like, you didn't have to have a coach. It wasn't very organized, and it was, like, all the riffraff. So I can I can get why that, like, stereotype came to be. But I'm, yeah. I'm glad that people see it more for what it is nowadays, you know? It's way more accepted, and people understand the artistic side or the competitive side and see it more than just junkie skateboarding. <laughs> yeah, but I think back then it was, you know, there wasn't the the level of tricks and stuff, it wasn't so physically demanding, you know what I mean? Like, it was just almost a, uh, like, like an image, you know? Like, yeah. they just rode their skateboards around. And it, it wasn't like a sport, really, you know? So it wasn't like, um, I, I don't know, it was, I feel like it was something that people, the, the, the um, the counterculture, you know, like the punk kids that wanted to rebel against the traditional sports were attracted to that. Yeah. Because it was something they could do on their own. They could do whatever they wanted. Um, the people in the magazines, you know, you had like the Alba guys and all that. And they were, you know, that was cool shit. And all the punk rock bands skated. So I think it was more that the personalities that were attracted to it are kind of what gave it that name. Yeah. That image. But then as it progressed and it got to where... Um, like skateboarding started to really evolve, then I think you had more people coming into it because it was more attractive. Like it was more of a creative outlet, more of a um, a stress outlet, you know, all these things. So I think then it became more mainstream. People got into it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anytime people like, anytime people take the industry into their hands and they create brands and all this stuff and it expands and there's money coming in. Not not that money matters, but it shows that people are organized enough to like create it into something more than just like hanging out at a convenience store breaking bottles oh yeah <laughs> which yeah, absolutely and i think it took another generation it was like when h street came around really that i think or bones or the powell you know like it went from i guess when it when street skating came in and it wasn't just like the launch ramps and shit like that when nodis and gons were really started to evolve skateboarding i think and then h street came in that seems like the defining era of when it became um, more about the act of doing the skateboarding than just being a skateboarder. Yeah, I like if that. that. Makes sense. No, it, it does make sense, and I like the way you said that, the act yeah. of it, because that's what I've always liked. Like, I didn't even really care, like, if someone was like, a, I didn't even care what your style was, but if you, just the way you did things, like, your style adds to that. I like that side of skating. That's my favorite side. I'm not yeah. I'm not really into the competitive side. I, I think that's a, that's fine for people to have. I just... I don't know. Maybe I'm just running short on testosterone or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just our generation, but we didn't... It wasn't, like, part of it, you know? It was part of it, but you knew it was just to appease the sponsors. Yeah. It was like, okay, they think this is important, so we'll go do it, but we don't care about it. Like, <laughs> we're not going to look up what Conda's rankings are in the magazines. And then I think that it just became as bigger and bigger companies came into the industry, then they kind of elevated that. You know, like, they were like, okay, well, contests are the big thing. 
So it forced people to have to do it more and more. But I still think that kids would prefer to look at a magazine and look at, you know, go online and look at street skating and watch that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, like, if you videos and photos and, like, that side of skating and especially video parts, like, that's way more attainable for anybody than it is for the, someone to win first place in some big contest. You know what I mean? So kids can oh, yeah. kids can connect more to, like, just raw street skating and have fun with the friends and the crew and the, the joy of skating. I don't know. I, I like that side. I like promoting that side way more. But, it, I mean, whatever. Skateboarding's for everyone. So if, like, there's jocks that want to be in a contest or, you know, nerds or whatever, it's like, fucking let them, like, fuck it, who am I to say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit, man. To each their own. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of skateboarding is that it's supposed to be all-inclusive. Like, yeah, we're going to judge people, jocks for coming in or whatever, then it's like you're you're contradicting yourself. You're yeah. saying, like, okay, well, you just said that it's, we accept everybody. We're not going to talk shit about people. We're like, you know, how we would say that about jocks. Now we're doing the same thing. So yeah. I think it's all about just whatever, man. People can do their own shit. I back That's it. That's the beauty of it. it. I back it. Back it. Um, yeah, I wanted to, I want to move forward a little bit just into moving to California. I guess before you moved to California, because you were sponsored then, how'd you find out about like videos and magazines and sponsorships and stuff like that? Um, Especially, sorry, especially where you were in the middle of the country. I mean, you didn't have... Yeah, but there's a pretty big skateboard scene in Ohio. Sick. More than you would think. I mean, that's where Rob Roskop from the 80s was from. Um, you know, Mark Heinzman, Rob Dyrdek. Like, there's a lot of people that have come out of Ohio. Oh, shit. So, because there was this weird kind of, uh, like, just cluster of skateboarders in Ohio, we had the opportunity to have skate parks there because there's people that were pushing for it. Yes. So when I was like 14, maybe the, an indoor skate park popped up in uh within like 20 minutes from my house. So that exposed me to a lot of stuff, you know, like I would go there and they had videos playing and that, that really kind of like, um, matured me as a skateboarder. Like it threw me into the thick of things. But I also, so this is, this is a small world that, um, Bill Minadio, who does skate park designs all across the country now, um, I think he works for California skate parks, that's but right. I'm not sure, but he was like two blocks away from me and that's how I bought my first skateboard from at a garage sale from him. Damn, that's, so, that's sick. For a small world. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that like, Every skate scene needs, like, one... I mean, they need more than one, but, like, a skate scene can, like, be created by just one person that obsesses over skating. It's like, if there's that oh, one kid... Like, I did that a bunch, because I moved everywhere, and I would go to places and no one would be skating, and I would, like, talk kids into skating, and then they would <laughs> fall in love with it, and then we'd have a crew, and it would grow. It's like, you need one person to, like, start a skate scene that really just is obsessed, like you said earlier, how you were... With skating, like you need one dude in each skate scene. I guess it can bubble, especially nowadays with the internet and the connectivity, you can broadcast so it can just like spread way faster anywhere. Are you living in California or? Yeah. Oh, sick. How's that? Currently? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I live in uh, Anaheim. I used to live in Long Beach. I just moved uh, like a month ago. Hell yeah, I lived in Long Beach for two years when I rode for Birdhouse. I lived on uh, 2nd Street, 2nd and Temple. Uh -oh. I was at Temp and Redondo, kind of more in the hood. 
Yeah, I know right where that is. Right on, right on the tracks, right there. <laughs> did you go, uh, did you eat holy moly, like Mexican food? Yeah, yeah. Crush holy I used to go there. Yeah, that's, that's the best. <laughs> yeah, it was. There's not a lot of taco shops in Orange County and Long Beach. Like in San Diego, where, where I lived for a long time, it was like every other corner was a taco shop. Yeah. In Long Beach, it's like every other corner is someone's famous burger or world's best burgers on every corner. Yeah, and they're all kind of like fast food spots with like, they have a little bit of everything. They have like sausages, pancakes, they have <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it's like greasy looking. Uh, Everything's tinted slightly yellow, like even the menu's faded. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> hamburgers and Chinese food and burritos. Yeah. <laughs> and it all tastes so good, and then my I have to shit so quick afterwards. Oh, yeah. It's all just covered in butter and grease. Have you seen Cherry Park? It's like wild now. I haven't been there since they changed it, but I know that they did. I've seen pictures of it and videos of it. Yeah, when I was living there, it was nothing like that. It wasn't even. It was like I don't even think it was there. It was just like the street spot they had a big gap, and now it's yeah. like full on skate park. It's so sick. Yeah. So I think people started bringing in stuff there for a while, and then the city just backed it to convert it. Yeah, I love that. Like, kind of, it's like a force the DIY spot, kind of. Like, yeah, just exactly. we're doing this, and then they, like, yeah. oh, it's a good thing. Let it happen. But we're doing it anyway, so we might as well do it right. Yeah, we did that in Plymouth, actually. Our buddies and I are just, well, they did all the building. I just, like, go and skate it. I'm I'm the lazy one. <laughs> <laughs> I did throw some skate jams there to help raise some money, but I was just skating. I didn't actually build still. But uh, we threw some, and it was a tennis court. And then, you know, we just took it over, and it was never used, you know? Like, no one ever went and played tennis. It was all cracked and, like, grass thrown. They cleaned it all up. They fucking bonded the cracks, and they built all this concrete stuff, and now it's, like, the sickest thing. And you go there every day, and there could be, like, you know, 10 to 15 people skating. So cool. I love skating. And it's funny, too, how they'll complain about how hard it is to get land to put skate parks, but then there are those empty tennis courts that no one uses just everywhere. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know Ken Russell from Osiris. Yeah, I've known Ken for a long time. He's the man. He helped us get our skate park built in Boston here. Oh, yeah. They came out here, and uh, they just kind of cut through the red tape. I think it was Canton and Mike, right, his partner? Yeah, with site design, right? Yeah, they came through, and they kind of yeah. cut all the red tape and got pushed it through. It had been sitting for 12 years, and then those dudes came in and made magic happen, and now it's they broken ground, and shit's looking insane. Wow, it was sitting there that long, just sitting in the bureaucracy trying to get funding and approval and all that? Dude, people were pissed. Like, they, Canton invited me out to these town, like, city meetings in Boston, and, like, all these skateboarders and shop owners came, and it was just, like, kind of an argument the whole time, and I'm like, for sure, calm the fuck down, everybody. Like, yeah. let's talk this out. And uh, that's what, yeah, you need a mediator for that kind of shit, because you've got the people who hate the the skateboarder's attitude, like that kind of kid, and then you've got the kid who hates that kind of dick that's up there trying to talk about a skate park to them. Yeah. Like, no, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that never works. It does not, yeah, it does not work well. I don't know, Canton kind of just came in and was like, look, like he was was willing to take on the tough questions and kind of just like, look, you don't have to believe me whether it's going to be done or not, it's going to be done. And like, that's how he just squashed the whole beef, and I was like, I kind of respected it. I was like, well, he's a man. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to do things sometimes is just convince yourself there's no other option than to make it happen, and then you're going to find a way somehow. Yeah, man. Uh, so back to your first sponsor. Um, 
was it a shop flow? Like, did you just start getting product and then you felt like, ah, oh, I could maybe go to Cali and pursue it? Where, where did it go from there? Well, so I got sponsored by the skate park. They, they, they were, it was a skate shop and it was a skateboard shop initially and then they opened up a skate park. Right. And I got sponsored by that skate park and then it kind of, uh, just evolved from there. Like my friend Kenny, who ran the place, Kenny Buckles, was super, super supportive and would and helped me out a ton. Um, you know, he would he would send out my videos for me to people. He would take videos for me when he would go out to the ASR trade show. So he was really like it made a huge difference. Damn, that's like that's really rad. That's like you got someone promoting for you basically at a young age yeah. and doing the work. That's so sick. Yeah, he was a super good dude. Were you guys just friends from skating? No, well, he managed the the skate shop. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Skate park. So, I mean, it was like, you know, I rode for his team, so he was trying to help me out. Damn, good dude. Yeah. So did so he so he hooked you up with sponsors, and then you felt like it was time to go to Cali and check it out. Were you like me? Because I was on the East Coast. Growing up watching skate videos and magazines, and most of that's California, and you're like, that's the mecca, you know? And that's the reason why I wanted to leave the East Coast for a while, is just to be in the thick of things. Yeah, well, especially at that time, San Diego was kind of it. Like, L.A. didn't even really have a scene. Yeah. It did, but it wasn't as big, and at least in my eyes. Maybe it's just how I saw it, because I rode for H Street, and that was a pretty heavy San Diego company. So they very well could have been just as big of a... An LA scene, but I just wasn't as uh, like tuned in with it. <laughs> but um, the, it, it's where all the companies were, it's where all the magazines were, it's where all the filmers were. So if you wanted to pursue a career, in my eyes, you went to San Diego, and that's where my sponsor was. Yeah. So it, it, it was just kind of a no-brainer for me. Who was I went through the motions of going to like check out colleges with my mom and dad and. But the whole time in the back of my head, I was just like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to chance having that regret of not trying to do this. Yeah. <laughs> to go to college when I'm not even that into it. Like, so, and I think eventually they realized that and they knew that I had made up my mind and I'm a pretty stubborn person. So once I get my mind set that something's going to happen, usually find a way to make it happen yeah to be to to come from where you came from to be a pro skateboarder you have to be incredibly stubborn for sure yeah Uh, what what were you gonna go to school for oh shit i don't know man i mean i i wanted to go to art school i went to like a graphic design uh vocational school my last year of high school and then you know i'd considered that but it was hard for me to figure out what to do i went to even while i was skateboarding i went to a community college and I went to a community college for six years, yeah, which is supposed to be a two-year program. <laughs> so I almost have three associate degrees, but I don't have anything to show for it. <laughs> it's kind of like me sitting there trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. Shit. I mean, I guess you didn't. You at least did something with your time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, kind of. I mean, when I attended, yeah, I, I don't know. I college. I never even thought of it, but. Because I just didn't know what I'd go for. I feel like if I was going to put money into something, it was like I'd rather put it into skating. Because I knew for sure I wanted to do that. But college, I had no idea even what I would use the knowledge for. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I had no clue. <laughs> well, my, 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 both my parents went to college. 
my um, all my siblings did, and they all went into careers that like you have to have a degree to go into that yeah. field. You know what I mean? It's not like you're actually you're not just learning things. You're you're getting a degree, which in in their fields is proof that you know all this stuff. Yeah. So they kind of had to do it, and then my parents were, you know, I think they just figured that that's like what all the other kids had done, and that's what I should do. So I think they quickly realized that that just wasn't going to happen. You're the you're the black sheep, dude. Oh, so bad. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea, man. <laughs> Compared to my brothers, I am polar opposite in many ways. That's amazing. <laughs> that's good. We need people like you. Yeah. I'm glad. Not, man. Interesting. I'm, I'm glad skateboarding got you instead of yeah. instead of football or basketball. <laughs> so am I. Trust me. So am I. Because you're a pretty big build. How tall are you? I'm not that tall. I, I'm only like five ten, five eleven. Okay, you're not that tall, but you look structured. I have a, you look. I have a big. small head, and I think that makes me look tall. <laughs> Fortunately. <laughs> uh, count it. Whatever. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. I want to I want to move forward. Um, okay. Cuz I really want to talk about Osiris and and those trips and like Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Like it just seemed like such a wild time in skateboarding. Like how would you sum up Osiris and riding for them? Man, I don't know. It was so It was it's so like bittersweet. Like for me, I mean, granted I was I was a pretty big mess during that phase with partying, but... Wait, 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 what was your poison? Oh, I drank. Oh, okay. Heavily. Like, full-on alcoholic. Like, I've been sober for a long time now. Damn, good for you. So, it was... I was I was a mess. But, so, my, my memory's a little uh, hazy on some of those tours, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I mean, I knew it was something really interesting that was happening. There was all these main... Shoe companies like Airwalk and uh, Vans, I think, and those were the two main ones. And that's who you rode for. You rode for one of those two. And I thought it was really cool that the skateboarders had kind of taken it onto themselves and owned it and been like, these guys are making so much money off of skateboard shoes. Yeah. Like, why don't we start our own and then we can start making more than $800 a month? So that that was really cool. Like it was really a true way of giving back to the pros that were supporting the brand, letting us design a shoe and get royalties off it. And, you know, I mean, eventually um, Airwalk phased out, and then Vans very quickly adopted that too. Yeah. It was like, hey man, we'll hook out. You guys know pros get pro shoes, and we'll pay you guys well. But it it took that that phase to kind of ignite that. I'm trying to think. I mean, there were a couple other shoe companies that popped up right around that time that were doing that same thing. Was it uh, like, Audio? Well, DC had just popped up before. Um, audio, Globe. Like, there were a few of these, like, skater-owned and ran companies. Yeah. So that was cool. But at the same time, like, to be completely honest, it was... I don't know. In my opinion, it just felt really corny. And it felt like. <laughs> Sorry. I, no, it's it's funny. I mean, I don't think I've ever even said this to anybody, but it's like, like I just felt like we were pulling a fast one on the kids. Like it was so marketing heavy, and 
I just felt like the team was rad and the idea of it was rad. The shoes were cool, but just something about it felt a little, a little just kind of phony. And, and I, I think I could feel that. And I was kind of almost embarrassed by it a lot of times at trade shows and stuff. So I could, you, you know, you always seek out your peers respect. Yeah. You know, you want, you want the respect of your peers. And I felt like other people in the industry, looked at us like kind of a joke and that always bummed me out. So maybe, I mean, maybe that's where I got the impression that it was corny from was just for, from how other people treated it. Yeah. But I don't know, man, I always had that tinge of just kind of like a, a slight, like there's just something weird about this. I think I, I but, think I understand because like I grew up watching it and I thought it was the sickest shit. Like I had D3s. I had several pairs of D3s. <laughs> Those things are fucking ridiculous. They're like moon boots, raver shoes. Like, oh, they're insane. Fucking insane. But, dude, my feet. They saved my feet. But uh, but I was, like, so, like, flip in, flip out, super crazy watching that. I never could do this stuff, but, like, it was the shit. But then it also still, like you were saying, it had that side where it's so easy to make fun of because it seemed kind of derived or, like, yeah. I, it seemed like too much, you know? Kind of boy bandy. <laughs> boy bandy. Yeah. But you know what? It also was, it was just like a bunch of white suburban kids acting like gangsters, it seemed like. Yeah. And that's how we were portrayed. And I think that's where it was kind of like, man, this is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I went from living in a three bedroom house with 11 people to having my own place. Damn. So it was like, you know, the sacrifice of maybe doing something that I wasn't. 100% stoked on versus being able to survive. You know what I mean? It's an experience either way. Like, you get to be involved in skateboarding and make a good amount of money and do what you love, and then you're experiencing this, like... Because that's an opportunity. Like, people would... I don't know who would pass up an opportunity to have that place in skateboarding and to be able to do that. And you guys are the videos. You know what I mean? You guys yeah. at that moment. You took over skateboarding for sure at that time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How I mean, it was amazing. I have no regrets about it. Yeah. But just at the time, I felt like long-term career-wise, it probably wasn't the best decision to make. I could I could see that. <laughs> but, you know, I at the same time, like, it was my decision to go. I did it, and I have the utmost respect for the guys who, um, like, spearheaded that whole company and everything. So I'm not trying to talk shit, but it was just... I don't know. There was just something about it that felt a little weird. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's talking shit though. I think you're just being honest, and that's that's a fair assessment, dude. And I and I wasn't even on the trips, and I I could see both sides easily. Um, yeah. But the trips, I want to know about the trips. Did you go on a lot of trips with them? I went on. Yeah, I mean, since the fir- very first one, which I think was in like '98, maybe. It started out. We had two two vans. Maybe just one van. No, we had two vans. Sick. And two U-Hauls that each were pulling, trailers. So every demo we would get to, there was like me, uh, shit, I don't even remember who was on I'm not even going to try to go to that. But every demo we would get to, we would stop and we would have to pull all the ramps out and set them all up and do the demo. So it started, for, it came from very humble beginning, you know, where there was not that much money in the brand. So... But then it very quickly picked up pace. 
Yeah. You know, I think the next, the next summer, um, it was, I don't know what we did the next summer. I think it was a similar tour, but it was just, it was a little better budget. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like hotels and fucking. Yeah. Like legitness. <laughs> yeah, like we weren't doing all the manual labor to take out and put back the ramps that we had to, to skate. <laughs> but it was cool, man. You know, it's like one of those things in hindsight, you're like, oh, man, that was really cool. Like, that was really rad experience. Huh. And, and you know, I prefer that that kind of uh, humble means of doing things instead of that showboat shit where you're staying at fancy-ass hotels and expect to be treated a certain way it's like to me that's kind of what skateboarding is it's it's sleeping in the van and staying at shitty places but at the same time sometimes when you're in it it doesn't seem like the greatest thing <laughs> once again though it's a good experience <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it shapes you man it gives you it, it enables you to have a lot of gratitude when you do get success yeah I and i think that's a, that was a huge part of it yeah but gratitude is key for sure Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that kind of bit me in the ass later on. Um, but backing up in, I think, 99 is when we had that big Aftermath tour. Yeah. And right, shit, man, was that then? It had to be. See, so, yeah, right before that. The storm was 99, so it was Aftermath. Okay, so it was, yeah, it was 90, okay, it was 99. It was the storm tour. Yeah. So it was before the video came out. And that that tour was insane. That was the one where Smolik and Fernandez had just gotten on the team. Oh, my God. That comes. It, it was just ridiculous. And, and the U.S. portion of it, we had a damn hip-hop group and a, a group of dancers on the trip <laughs> with us. Did they on have D3s on? Did they have D3s on, the dancers? Uh, Probably. Why wouldn't they? Everybody did. <laughs> You know what? No, that was, I'm sorry, that was the Aftermath tour. That oh. was the next year. Okay, okay. <laughs> Storm tour. I don't admit, yeah, the Storm tour was a U.S. tour as well, I think, but I just remember the Europe one was insane. It was like a month and a half long, and everybody on that trip was so good. Yeah. And, like, but at that point, I was already a mess. Like, I think I, I was, maybe already intimidated by how good everybody else was, but then I was also starting to blow it with, like, getting too wasted at night, and then basically I would skate most demos for a while, but then, like, kind of find a way to just dip out and just bide my time until it was time to start drinking everybody with, you know, and I wouldn't have to feel guilty about drinking then because everybody else was, and it was nighttime. Yeah. But, I mean, it was a lot of partying. So much partying. Were you partying for fun, just for fun, or were you just... Like, some people party for other reasons, I guess. Well, that's how it started. I mean, I have a whole kind of theory on the whole thing. With I think it all ties into my um, personality and that that person that likes to drink to escape stuff. Yeah. It's the same reason and the same person that was attracted to skateboarding. Because I think I've just got too much going on in my head all the time. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, sometimes the need to shut that off, or the the way people go about shutting off that voice can be destructive. But initially, I think that is what it, one of the big things that attracted me to skateboarding was that 
you have to be totally focused on what you're doing. Yeah. So you can't be caught up in your head or you're going to kill yourself. It, for- it forces you to, to focus. Yeah, you have to be completely in the moment. You can't be in your head at all. And I think I really like that about it. It gave me that kind of escape. And I wasn't conscious of that. That was the reason that I was attracted to it. But I think it was. And I think that once I discovered drinking, it was the same way to achieve that, but a lot more convenient. Yeah. And it probably had a much greater effect, too. So, you know, it was like, you know, I had skateboarding. I'd grown up and I found drinking, which shut off my head. But then I start having, you know, start screwing up my career because of it. So then the voice in my head gets negative and even worse. Yeah. So then you start drinking more. It was just like that's when it gets into a shitty cycle. Yeah, man. The only the way I can relate to this is like I grew up in the projects and, and in the hood and like with a broken family. And yeah. I, I had negative thoughts and the voice in my head was not happy because like th- I was born into that situation. So I started out thinking that way, like, you know, everything's shit because I'm surrounded mm. by people that are broken and have negative mindset because the sun never shines. And uh I had to just like and it was the same for me. It was like skating made me focus on the actual art of doing that. And like you just get wrapped up in a dance with your skateboard. I was obsessed over skating for years and for days and days and days like uh, like I would skate while I'm hurt. I should be resting, but I like start thinking. I'm like, I want to skate. Like I want to be back in that moment, that dance. And uh, but yeah, I agree, man. I ha- it takes so much practice to switch that way of thinking. Um, I guess it's like your, I guess it's our ego or whatever. You have to silence that. Like people meditate for that to get rid of that. Cause like all we do is think all day, you know. And if you're too much in your head, all you're doing is thinking. You're not actually in the moment. You're just fucking thinking about the past or the future or whatever, you know. Well, so, most of it isn't even active thought. It's just your subconscious. Yeah. And I think that I think that there's some kind of filter that most people don't hear that much of the background voice. But some people, like, um, probably, I mean, I have serious ADD. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of what ADD is. How I explain it is, like, you constantly just have this jibber-jabber in your head. And I think that for a lot of people, that must just be a little bit more silenced. Yeah. So they can, you know, they have a more quiet mind. But I think that's what it is, you know? It's like, but that, I think that that, that, uh, that high level of subconscious thought is also what is responsible for invention and creative art and all these things. But once it turns negative, that's when it's dangerous. And that's when people, you know, turn to, to drugs or drinking or gambling, you know, just, some kind of adrenaline kick that's going to get them out of their head. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, for me, I was fortunate and had a very good upbringing, you know, like I had a white picket fence in Ohio. Like I had it pretty damn easy, but awesome. yeah, I can imagine it was probably harder just starting out with that negative voice in your head. It was super depressing, man. Cause I was like a happy little kid and then bad things would happen. And then I couldn't be a happy little kid. Like all I want to do is play sports and run around and like laugh with people. And then just all the adults weren't acting like adults. And it was just like, ah, it was very hard to like see the sunshine, you know, like even if it was beautiful, I was very hard to recognize it. I would just be in my head and like hurting, you know? So school was hard for me. School was ridiculously hard for me. Not because I couldn't do it. I just, I just, 
didn't even want, I wanted to cry when I was in school, you know? I'm, like, listening to these kids fight over petty shit, and I'm just, like, wondering what's gonna happen tonight, or whatever violent thing, or, like, dude, it was rough. But, like, whatever, it allows me to have this depth of emotion. I can feel things on a whole spectrum now. It's, uh, it's a gift and a curse, but I feel very blessed to have come from where I came from. Well, you're very blessed that you were able to see it from a distance and realize that that isn't just how life is and, and you know, perpetuate that cycle. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people do. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you're gifted to be able to kind of see what it was from afar and know you want to change that. Yeah. I, 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 that goes to skateboarding and hip-hop for sure, man, because... Hip-hop, I listened to, like, men that were, like, fighting against things, and they were, like, Tupac, like, revolutionist and things yeah. like that, and some of their words were so powerful that I would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I could recognize it because I come from similar background. And then skateboarding, like you said, for you, it's just, like, sucks you in, and it forces you to focus and forces you to confront everything. And, like, that's what I was talking about in the beginning with your tricks, like, to throw yourself like that, to do some of the stuff you've done on a skateboard, like, not many people, you know what I mean? Nowadays, it might seem like that, but at that time... It wasn't people stepping up to the level that you were at, dude. And do you ha- have you ever had any really crazy injuries? Oh yeah, I I mean, uh, I've had several, but there was one that was really bad, and it was right after the Osiris video came out. Um, I was trying to backside three sixty down something, and I tried to, to kick my board away, and my uh, my leading foot, which is my left foot, landed back on the board when I land on the ground. Eek. And it went, it went left. My board was pointed left, so it went left while my body momentum was going right. And it twisted my foot all the way backwards. And it was a spiral fracture, so it twisted the bone like a twig. Like it broke in like 12, 14 places all the way up the bone. Jesus. So I had to have surgery. I had two surgeries on that to get all the pins. How the, fuck, how the fuck does that hold back together? When it's like, it just takes a long time to heal that? or? Yeah, I mean... It's a really common basketball and soccer injury, I think, because people plant their foot and then turn their body, and their their uh, fibula, which is a small bone, stays attached to the foot, and it just twists. Oh, they twist, so, bro- they twist their bones and break them that way. Yeah, that's what happened to me. It, bro- it broke like a twig. It just twisted. God damn. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they get in there, and they put plates in, and they screwed all the bones back together, and eventually they grew back into place. Yeah. And but you know it's it's a lot like I tore tendons too which is that stuff takes a lot longer to heal because it's not bone it doesn't just calcify it's not like it's not like it's broken or it's not you know it's like you can stretch those and ruin them and they just they can't heal as easily did you drink so a lot of, a long time did you drink a lot of milk after you broke that bone you're just like I'm chugging milk for the next six months I think I chugged Bud Light for six months. It was Bud Light <laughs> pizza. It was like my whole life. Worst idea, Chad. Worst idea. Oh, Dude, yeah. My God. Yeah, I was a fat ass then, too. Well, okay. Okay. How did you stop? What what forced you? Or not? Let me rephrase this. Let me try to be a professional interviewer. I've been smoking weed and drinking the beer, beer the whole time we're talking about this. <laughs> but, uh... What was the turning point from being wrapped up and realizing, like, what made you realize you were an alcoholic? Uh, I mean, it was just, yeah, I mean, I realized it a long, I think long before I admitted it or came to terms with it. I think I was aware of it, but I just didn't want to face it. It's funny, though, because 
now that I don't drink, it's like, it's not a big deal. Like I could care less about it. But at that time, it almost seems like what is life without drinking? You know what I mean? Like it's such a weird concept to think you're never going to drink again. When I guess, cause that's all you know. It's kind of like, you know, that's, that's, that was my world. So it was like, what else am I going to do or be when this is all I do? Well, like, but, as a professional skateboarder, you have a lot of time to hang yourself. Like, there's so much relaxed yeah. time. You could just, like, go hang out and drink or get high all day or go to, you oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of people end up blaming skateboarding or, you know, music careers because it's the same type of thing. You have a lot of time for yourself, and there's a lot of partying. I think that's why people tend to blame people for turning into alcoholics. But, you know, like I was saying, I think it, it's just one of those things that it's always – there, it's just waiting to for you to discover that stuff to finally kind of rear its ugly head. Yeah. But I, I got really fortunate in the sense that I was I got really physically sick from it. So, and I only drink beer, so I think that I might have some kind of allergy to alcohol or some kind of way where I can't metabolize it right. Yeah. Because when I when I was trying to quit, I was having uh, delirium tremens, which is the, the physical withdrawal. So I was trembling and hallucinating and it was super, super gnarly. Give me a fucking so, beer. Give me a fucking beer. That's yeah. What you're saying. It was, I was, I, my whole face was yellow. My tongue was all white. Like I think I was having liver failure. Like I was really, really sick. Holy so shit. I actually, my mom called me one morning and I think she could tell that I was just a mess. And she had seen the signs for a long time at that point was already concerned. So she just begged me on the phone to go to an AA meeting. And um, I went that night, and it was, like, one of the most terrifying things I've ever done. But Why? it was like, I don't know. Cause I, I mean, I'm, I have terrible social anxiety. I used to have really bad social anxiety anyway. And it was, like, facing something that you're ashamed of oh, okay. publicly. And, you know, I didn't even know what to expect. And... Um, it was great though. Like it was, it was super good. It was what I needed. And, you know, from, from that experience, like it allowed me to go, I went like every day for a couple of years wow. and it was just a constant reminder every day of why it was a bad idea for me to drink. So I didn't have that voice in my head saying like, you know what, maybe it'll be different this time. Maybe you were just in a bad place and that's why you weren't drinking normally. And it's totally worth drinking. Like, you know, it's just a reminder every day that there's people that are like telling these stories about how horrific it is, and it reminds you. So that that's what I had to do. Yeah, and that's like it took that much. I had to go that low, and it took that much of an investment for me to to stop. Yeah, it's like you hear enough people talking about self self worth and their own self worth as to why they want to stop doing like poisoning themselves to an extreme. Because I'm a big believer in moderation and all things like. Yeah, I mean, I'm drinking beer and smoking weed on the podcast now, but I worked all week. You know what I mean? Like a Friday night, I was like, you know what I mean? Everything in moderation. And I learned that about skating too, because like I said, I abused the shit out of skateboarding. Cause like it, like it stopped the thoughts in my head too. It just kind of allowed me to focus and like get away from the madness of the world. And, but I abused it to the point where I was hurting my body and I just was never healthy. And like, it's not, you know, um, but at moderation in all things is like, rad but you if you know that's what i was getting at if you know that you can't even touch it without relapsing or i don't know yeah some people realize they just have that switch 
which I have a pretty good. I don't have a switch where it's like black or white. I can mumble the line a bit. Are you like yeah. that? Like it's all or nothing. Like if you start drinking, you think it would take over again? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it did at one point. I at one point I tried it again and ended up drinking for you know every night again for two years straight. So yeah. I know for a fact that it's just me. It's something with my genes, my DNA, my whatever that. It's like if I don't have a single drink, I don't crave it. But once I have one, then it's impossible to stop. And I'll just keep drinking until I black out. So it's like being allergic to something. Like I just avoid it. Like it's just, it's not an option. So it makes it easier to just avoid. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm just grateful that I got sick this early on in life. And um, you see a lot of people that don't don't try to deal with that stuff until they're in like their 60s and 70s and 80s. And, you know, I think it's a lot harder at that point. You have a lot more regret, a lot more stuff to want to not have to think about. Yeah. So I'm just lucky that it happened this early and I was able to deal with it and move on. Yeah, man. I've never really dealt with like strong addiction like that, but people in my life have dealt with that. And exactly as they get older, it's like, damn, you look back and you're kind of like, Man, I could have been this or I could have been that. Yep. By that, I don't mean like I could have been a rock star. I, I could have been like a good family member or a good friend or, you know, like you squand, like I've seen people squander because of addiction. So, uh, I'm psyched. Oh, it's frustrating as hell to watch, man. Yeah. Like even, even having gone through it and knowing that, like you can want it more than anything in the entire world and it doesn't matter sometimes. Like you have no choice in the matter as to whether or not you're going to drink or do drugs or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's that powerful over you, but it's so annoying that people are like that. Like, I still, now that I don't drink, I see it, and I'm just like, dude, do something to yourself, man. Like, dude, like, what are you doing? No, How can you not see this? <laughs> yeah. But, I, I mean, I guess I probably do more than most people, but still, it's like it's frustrating, man, because especially if you can't uh, relate to it. Yeah. And if you can't empathize, then it's got to be even worse. Yeah. Um, dude, like I said, where I grew up, I was angry at people, too. <laughs> I was like, but they had addiction problems, you know? A lot of them did, you know? I'm like, but oh, yeah. I was angry because I'm like, why aren't you just doing what you need to do to, like, thrive and be healthy and happy? And then a lot of these people had kids, too, and their parents, and they're poisoning themselves uh, uncontrollably. And I'm like, it made me so mad as a little kid. And that's what made me go the opposite direction. It made me go, look. That's not productive. For sure, that's not productive. So I'm going to do the opposite of that. And that's why when everyone said I was crazy because all I did was skateboard and I want to be a pro skateboarder, I was just like, I don't really care. This is like the healthiest thing in my life. Like, I know unhealthy, so now let me find healthy and get the fuck out of here, you know? like yeah, that's, like a, that's like a healthy escape mechanism yeah. where you can get out of that situation, get out of your head, but it's not harmful, you know? It's 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 just like going and creating art or something where you get so into it that you get out of your head. Yeah, it's, it's a lot better than going out there and getting wasted, you know? Yeah, you can remember what you create when you're on a skateboard, too. You know? Yeah, you're just proud of what you did. You can't remember when you're blackout drunk. And you're oh, no. <laughs> you don't go skateboarding and wake up with some sketchy person in your bed the next day. <laughs> like, no one, no one's ever like, man, I'm so glad I got blacked out last night. All this cool stuff happened. I don't know where these STDs... I don't know where these STDs came from, but jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All this cool stuff happens when I go out and black out. <laughs> All right, we're going to move forward. We're going to move forward in time a little bit. Yeah. Um, what are you currently doing right now? 
in skateboarding? I know you work. Are you? I don't know if everything's up to date. You're working for DC right now? I work for Vans now. Vans. What are you doing for Vans? I do the same thing. I do all of the 3D work. So it, it's kind of a broad spectrum of things. I do. I create the 3D models that are um, then used for digital rendering. So, like, sometimes the catalog shots won't, or the shoes, the samples won't come in in time for a catalog shot. Yep. So we'll digitally render the shoe, and it'll be in the catalog. But they've gotten, you know, the technology's gotten so good now that it almost looks like a physical shoe. Like, you can't tell the difference. Yeah. And but it's, then I also... It's like, you know what you're making, so... Yeah, exactly. And then, but I also do all the 3D that goes to the mold shops. So, you know, we, it's like two totally, totally different ends of the spectrum. You've got the one that's like video game style, yeah, uh, yep. visualization, and you've got the one that's production. So the, the stuff that the file that people use for the CNC of uh, of molds. Yep. So I do I do both of those things. That's cool. Did you did you where did you pick that up along the way? Um, see, that's that's one of those things where. Without this obsessive personality, I wouldn't have been able to do that because I, I saw it at the skate park design company I worked for for a little bit. They used 3D, and that's how I was exposed to it, and I saw them doing it. And then that company went out of business, and I got a bootleg version of some software and sat in a room for four months and taught myself how to do it to the point where I could approach people I knew in the shoe industry to see if, if they used that technology and if that was something that... Um, they were hiring for. So and it just, it was like, it, it was like the biggest uh, s- sequence of like, sequence of good events that just fell in place so perfect for me to get that job at DC. Mm. And then once I got that, that was like five years ago. I was there for four years. During that, those four years, I learned so much more. And then, yeah, because you're you know, actually you're actually in the thick of it. You're, they're making you put your practice into purpose. Oh yeah, I mean, and when I got hired, because no one knows about 3D usually. People that work at the footwear, they don't realize that it's like we need an artist is what they're saying. Yeah. But they hire a painter to do like an architect's job. So they hired me to do one thing when I learned a different thing. So I was forced in like real time projects to have to learn this software as I was doing projects. Yeah, but it's great. So that's the best way to learn. I think is like throwing yourself into something where you have no alternative. Well, you but have to learn. You have practice with that with skateboarding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think a lot of people have practice with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean with skateboarding, I think that's the that's the most profound thing skateboarding taught me. I think was that. Like, you have no idea what you're capable of. Like, because I remember there were times, and I distinctly remember a couple times where I would try something and just kind of, I don't even know why. Like, I, I knew there was no way I could do it, but then I would do it, and it was like, holy shit. Like, I'm, like, I'm sitting here telling myself I can't do this stuff when I actually can. Like, I'm, like, what else am I capable of, you know? So it, it, it taught me to never doubt what you're capable of because you can do so much more than you think you can. Yeah. And that has been like, you know, ever since then, whenever something comes up, I'm like, 
dude, there's a way. Figure it out. Like, there's got to be a way to do some shit. So, if if a if a problem comes up or you encounter a roadblock, it's it's enabled me to just realize that there there has to be a way to do it. You know? Yeah, I, I dude, I teach skateboard lessons. I love teaching skateboard lessons. Actually, the last two weekends, I, I had this little girl, Ayla. She's got to be like eight years old, and uh, she loves skateboarding. It's crazy. I'm like, she doesn't even want to talk to people. Like, she'll say hi and stuff, but she just wants to skate and learn. And I'm like, showing her all the cool stuff. And I loosened up her truck so she could carve and stuff. But uh, I love skate lessons because my th- philosophy is that if we teach kids early enough how to skateboard, which is basic problem solving, because like you see a trick, you want to do the tricks, and then you have to try all the wrong ways till you find what works for you. And that's basic problem solving is like trial and error, trial and error until you find the right way. And uh, I feel like if we could te- teach kids that at a young age, and, and it's crazy, this generation of little kids, they're so focused and so good at it. It's, it's It gets me so excited. But yeah, that's what skateboarding, I think that makes people who skateboard and pursue it for a long time, that's a skill that we gain. It's like, okay, the only way to get something done is to like, not the only way, but the most productive way I've found is like, get in the thick of it, try it, and figure it out, you know? And you can learn. Get your hands dirty. Yeah, get Don't in sit it. there and complain. Yep. Don't sit there and talk about what might work. Just go, just come get an idea and just try it. If, if it's not the perfect idea, who cares? You're going to learn it doesn't work, and you're going to learn from that, and then you're going to be able to come at, at it the next time with a, with a more uh, informed way of doing it. Yeah, and so, I, yeah, I think that it's, I think that Either that taught me that, or it was my personality, you know, already knowing that, and that's why I excelled in skateboarding. Yeah. But I think that it's a huge. I have a I have a son who's 15 and is super into skateboarding, but that's the one thing I've tried to teach him is like learn to just do problem solving. Like that will apply to anything in your entire life. To learn that nothing's impossible. And as long as you try enough times, you're going to do it. Yeah, I like that. And don't doubt yourself, you know? Like, he will tell me, what trick should I try? And I'll tell him this. And he'll be like, yeah, right. And I'm like, dude, just pretend it's easy. Like, convince yourself you've done it a hundred times. Like, you know you can do it, but you're just, it's going to be hard because you don't think you can do it. Yeah. And that's, like, the one thing I've tried to instill in him is, like, don't question yourself. Believe in yourself. And learn problem solving. Because I think that those are the two things that apply to anything. Those are quality father advice, I imagine. Those are things <laughs> I always needed to hear when I was little. I needed someone to tell me that. <laughs> good man. Good father right there. Um, well, I, I, oh, what was that? Has that been yours? Oh, it's my... I live next door to a fire station. Oh, sick. I'm not mad at that. No, not sick. Not sick at all. <laughs> I'm sick. Well, for the show, but, it's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the Anaheim Fire Department. <laughs> you could probably be a firefighter if things get tough. You can get over there and put out a fire, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I might be a little too out of shape at this point. Back, back to what you were saying, though. I agree I agree 100%. Like, I think infinity. I believe in infinity. Like, I look up at the sky and I, like, trace... I do this daily on my breaks from work. And I I look at the sky, especially when there's clouds. You can really get a sense of how much material is up there. I scan the sky, like, all the way across. And I'm just humbled. I'm like, there's so much material. It's all stardust. I'm like, it's all the same material. Like, 
it's like that makes me know that infinity is real because it's so that's only a small piece of what I'm seeing and I can't even calculate it. You know what I mean? Like if you let kids know that there's no ceiling at a young age, that's a that's a good father thing to do. Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Fifteen, though. How old were you when you had a kid? I must have been 23. And it was right when I it was right when I broke my broke my leg. Ooh, wow. Sorry. I don't mean to sound yeah. in a bad, bad way, but breaking a leg seems harsh, and then a kid seems like even more responsibility while you're dealing with a broken leg. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was tough. It was tough because, I mean, his mom and I were super on and off. Yeah. And, you know, there were times when she was out of town, and I would have to watch him by myself with a cast on. So it was like, it was it was super hard. Yeah. I imagine, so, I, mean, I imagine mentally personal against him, but just a baby in general is a, a, a lot to deal with, you know. Yeah. Were you like when you're if you're like 23, you broke your leg. Were you worried about sponsors and losing like skateboarding? I imagine you're freaking out. You spiral fractured yeah. your leg. Well, I didn't think I would ever even be able to skate again. I mean, I was. It, it was when I looked down, my foot was facing backwards. Oy. It was. Like, I, right there, I was just like, I'm done. Especially back then, people's careers didn't go into their 30s. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot shorter lifespan for careers. So, yeah, I thought I was done. It took me two years to kind of get back into it. And that's kind of, I mean, it wasn't said, but it was implied. And that's kind of what I'm assuming is that's why one of the reasons that Osiris got rid of me. Well, that probably ain't because I was a derelict at the time. Like, I mean, I wasn't, <laughs> you I wasn't say, offering much. Did I you was say a derelict. I wasn't derelict. offering much. I was just partying. So it's not like, you know, I, I sure as hell don't blame them for the decision. But I think that did have a lot to do with me losing some sponsors. Was because you're just out of it for a long time. And, and if you're out of skateboarding for one magazine, you're old news. Oh, dude, it, time moves fast in the skate world. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was out. So I guess, but that gave you. So you then you had your kid. Where you, were you, you like, damn, that seems so much. That seems like so much. I seem. I feel like I'd freak out because if I had leg shattered and I had to deal with losing sponsors and thinking I might not be able to skate again, and then a kid comes, which a kid should be a blessing, but I would be like, oh yeah, I'd be on the edge of my seat for sure. <laughs> oh, it, it it caused a lot of anxiety. That's for sure. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No. Shit, man. It is what it is. I mean, I love, I love my kid more than anything in the world, and he knows that. He knows what, what I've, what I've been through, and what the situation was like when he was born, and yeah. Whatever. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the facts of the story. It's not like it's good or bad or yeah. whatever. It, just, it is what it is. Truth is, life's not perfect, so it's cool to hear the stories, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, there's this old fable where this. Farmer has a horse that runs away, and the neighbor says, "Oh, that's such a terrible thing." But then it comes back with another horse. They're like, "Oh, that's so awesome!" And each time he's like, hey, "It could be good or it could, could be bad. You don't know." Damn. And it keeps going back and forth like that, where it's like you don't know whether something that happens is going to result in something bad, just because it seems like it will, or if it's a blessing in disguise and something's going to work out better because of it. Damn, so, I like that. I like that analogy. Double double cow. You said a cow, right? Horse, but close. Oh shit! All right. 
I'll email you the thing because it's really cool. It sounds sick. I'm gonna call it the double horse, and I'll share it for yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's just a good thing though, because it's like don't assume that something is good or bad just because of what it is. Like you don't know what the chain reaction is gonna be because of it, or what the outcome is gonna be. Yeah. So it, it's good for like keeping calm about shit that goes bad. Yeah. You're like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is a good thing. Yeah, I dude, I believe in that wholeheartedly. When I was young, I was like the same. I was very like, this is gonna work out. And then, like what I was saying, I was like, I have a very deep uh, spectrum of emotions, and I can feel things really deeply, which is a blessing. But it came from a crazy situation you wouldn't expect it to. But it's just, yeah. I'm the same way. Are you? Are you? You can tell me to fuck off if you want. But are you a religious person? No. No. I mean, I don't know. I I, I went to Catholic school actually my whole life, and what? I was always a kid. I was always a kid that would get in trouble, and I was like, are you are you for real with this shit? Like, you really believe, literally, this is what happened. Yeah. Like, you think that this all happened, like, it's like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> like, well, okay, if that happened then, why is not, why doesn't that stuff happen now? Yeah. But, I mean, there's just so many tie-ins with, like, I just think it's an old thing that's been handed down from generation to generation. Probably a lot of it was just fables or stories that were intended to teach a lesson. Yeah. And then, for some reason, eventually people just started taking them literally. And I think that's kind of what it is. I mean, I still go back and forth on whether or not there's something more out there. I think I can talk... I can, can, I can argue myself either direction into believing... Or not believing. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I guess I just kind of have no opinion on it. I just have faith that shit will work out, you know? As long as I learn from my lessons and do what's right, then that's kind of all that matters. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm on a similar stance right there. I believe that we're transcending religion a little bit. Like, religion got us to a certain point. Maybe we're just having new religions. I don't know. But... Religion, the old-fashioned religion got us to a certain point because people, I'm sure, they needed faith and these people were giving them faith or selling them faith or whatever. I don't know how they did it. But, uh, I don't know. Nowadays, we have so much information about life and we can, our collective, um, experiences are all online and getting even crazier and we're, we're able to sense each other now. Like, we're building like another dimension with the internet. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. talking and having these conversations wasn't even possible like 20 years ago or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, oh. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's a really good thing. I mean, it allows people to share ideas. And, I mean, obviously there's a ton of bullshit out there on the Internet that is just dumb and pointless. A lot of dick, pointless. dick pics for days, well, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Chad, Chad Knight's Wikipedia. <laughs> Chad Knight. So funny. <laughs> but, like. I mean, I think that there's, you know, you try to go get information about something and there's a lot of wrong information out there. I think that's the only danger of the Internet. But it, it's shrunk the world down to where, you know, before, you know, I mean, telephones are even relatively new. And cars, like, before, halfway across the world was it was inaccessible. And now we can just, you know, instantly yeah. communication across the world. So... Information is being shared way faster. I think it's exposing a lot of things with, you know, even like the GoPros and things like that, the body cam. Like, yeah. I think it's just exposing a lot of bullshit. So I think that the one thing actually that, that 
does still bother me, I think, about religions is I just recently saw that they had redone the church that I went to to elementary school at. What was wrong and with it? Just bad landscaping? It was fine. It was too small, I think. <laughs> it was a little too small, the old church. So they redid it, and it is like a multi-million dollar cathedral. And it's like, you dicks, man. Like, you know how many people, families you could have housed or hungry kids you could have fed? And your whole thing is supposed to be about doing the right thing yeah. and about humble and humility. And, like, you really think if you're this is supposed to be a house for Jesus, from what we know of him... He would tell you to shove that thing up your ass and go use that money to help somebody else. Like, yeah. I just don't understand where there's that disconnection between what they say and what they read and talk about and then what they do. Because it's a bad... So I think that's the biggest problem with it. it. It's because it's a bad sales businessman fucking selling that shit. It's a business. That's the problem with religion, you know? It's like, it shouldn't be a business. And that's where it gets weird because now they're making moves so they can... Like they, it's insane to me. It's insane to me too. The fact that, yeah, yeah, if it's all about good humanity and helping people, then build a bigger bu- building, but not you don't have to make it extravagant. Just build it bigger so people can live in it. The homeless people, yeah. make a fucking cardboard tables in it if you need to. Yeah, exactly. They don't. You don't and, need towers and chassels and fucking like cars. The, <laughs> the other thing, I think, the thing that made me aware of this and kind of start to be annoyed by it was when I found out that the Vatican is the richest city per capita in the world. Like, the 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 one religious city in the world is the richest one. Like, that just seems insane to me. They should be giving it all away. That's what Jesus, like you said, Jesus would just be in sandals and long hair, kicking it, yeah. giving shit away. Exactly. Oh, you want bread? Here, I'll turn that water into wine. But dang, yeah. chilling. <laughs> I think they're becoming a little bit more aware of that. I think the new pope is doing a better job of, like, trying to take things back to what it's supposed to be, like, just doing what's good and helping people out. And so I think that they're making some progress, but it's just funny. Like, they're always against something, like gay marriage, and it's that's not what God wants and all this stuff until it gets to a certain point where it's publicly accepted to the point where they have to change it, and then they're like, okay, you know what, we were wrong. God is okay with that. <laughs> so it's like, well, you guys don't seem very confident in what what is right and wrong and pretty wishy-washy. So it, it, I think it makes that makes it hard to kind of believe anything. And, and, it loses and, credibility. And it seems like our government has the same model of things, you know? It's like government, yeah. state and government, I mean, uh, religion and government is like one thing almost. It's so invested. It's insane to me. Because yeah, weed was I mean, weed was like legal, right? I mean, illegal. Everyone's in jail, like all the shit for weed. And now it's like, oh no, we get more information about it, and it's good for all this stuff. And now it's like re- legalized in several states. And it's the same shit as like the religion people saying about uh, the religious people speaking about gay people. You know what I mean? Like it's just intolerance and just uh, prejudice, and it's crazy. It's the stuff they preach against. Yeah, and once that stuff starts to gain traction. I don't see why they continue to spend so much money fighting it. Like, you see marijuana and gay marriage. I mean, those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head, but probably those are the two biggest. For this time, in a, for this current moment. Yeah. Yeah. 
you see those things starting to get traction and you know, okay, 10 years down the line, that stuff's going to be accepted and it's going to be legal. So why take all that time and money and energy fighting it when you know it's going in that direction? Yeah. Why not just say, you know what, okay, this is inevitable. We're just going to adopt it. I think it's because the people in power, they're in power and they don't want to let go of power. You know what I mean? It's like they are in their moments and they want to ride out their life in their moments as fucking glorious as possible. And they don't want to pass the world on. They don't want to pass the world on to people with different ideas. And uh, so they slow us the fuck down instead of helping. You know what I mean? And it's crazy because... Usually what gets them to that position is what's destroying stuff, you know, like the oil and all the stuff is like they made them incredibly wealthy, but it was at a cost, you know. So to not realize that yeah. is just ignorance and then you're just hurting us, you know, the next people. I can say us because I'm 32. Yeah, I think that also. They... <laughs> well, I think that part of it is that there's so many people that are against that stuff that they know to get reelected or get the support, they have to continue to push it because, you know, that's, you know, they're not going to just get voted out of office because they risk their career over that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, that's what they want. They want their career and that's what they're in it for. Yeah, that so, sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know that that whole thing is so, like, it, it, it's just... A mess, dude. The whole government system and how how our government is run is just so unproductive and slow. I, and I just say, I say, and here's what I say. I say we just let that puppet show go on and then just fucking on a state level, on local levels, we just unite and we just create positivity and we create community and we do all the cool stuff as people. And that puppet show can go on until they decide and they see, until the internet, you know, comes and fully immerses themselves, because that's what's happening. Like, think about the president 50 years from now. He's going to have had a Facebook since he was birth, birthed, you know what I mean? I mean, if he doesn't, if he doesn't people are going to be like, what the fuck is this dude? Like, is he a robot? Is he a plant? Like, then no one's going to vote. Like, they're going to be like, this is strange, this dude's 46, we've never heard of him online, you know what I mean? Like, so... I mean, they're just... Yeah, but if he's, say, he's a, say he's a Bush from the Bush lineage, then since his inception, they're going to make sure that he is publicly portrayed a certain way because they will you know, have that career path for him in mind since he's born. He, so it's a PR so, thing. It's a PR thing. <laughs> kind of. I mean, I think that these, that these super powerful families that are kind of run all that stuff that are kind of behind the scenes or in the scenes, whatever, like, I think that they're very aware of, of how to portray themselves and what they need to do. So I think that the internet to touch them is going to be a hard thing. I think that they're a little bit above it Ooh. and that that's kind of a scary thing. Oh yeah, I know. I think that's what they think, but they're wrong for sure. <laughs> the kids are going to adapt right to it. And the thing about the internet too, and like the technology is you can tell authenticity through that. Like, Oh yeah. It's not like just a photo. That was like in skating. It was like a skate photo and your video part. But then like you met the person and they're fucking crazy. And you're like, oh, I don't really like them anymore. Like, God damn. I, I thought they did. I thought they were humble. I thought, and you're like, no, they're just a dick. Like what the fuck? But like, that's why I'm like, 
maybe more people should just start podcasts, like more average people, and just speak from the heart and show authenticity. Because if the leaders don't reflect that and they're not promoting that, and you can't, you can always tell authenticity. Like people, that's why I like my podcast to be long. We're did seventy five minutes right now. I like it to go long because, you know, people can hold a conversation, do an interview, and lie for about a half an hour. You know? Yeah. But then they eventually, it's like you either get to know the person's character or not. You know what I mean? Like, I've had some people. are bullshit for so long. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I just feel like I love the internet, and as long as they don't try to take this shit away, we're good. <laughs> I think I, I totally agree, man. It, it brings a lot of information to a lot of people. And, I mean, you can even just look at kids now, how they look at brands and entertainment and stuff. It's like, they like YouTube because mm-hmm. they feel like that they can relate to those people more. They're more, uh, more authentic. Like, and I think that they they can totally see through brand branding that's inauthentic now. Like, kids are a lot more wise to that stuff. Full so, yeah, I mean that's a it's a great thing. They've learned. I think that they've learned to question things, which seventy years ago that was an absolute do not do. Like, you don't question things. Yeah. You don't question authority. Yeah. And I think that now that they're adopting that and they're realizing that, that that will be a vehicle to change a lot of stuff moving forward. It's not, it's, things aren't just status quo. It's like, question that shit, man. Fuck it. Like, find out why that is. Yeah. You know, is that the best yeah. way? And I think that that mentality will change a lot. And it's only, I hope so, at least. No, yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's only speeding up with the technology because kids can literally, like, nowadays you can't even really lie or, like, back in the day people would get in an argument and be like, nah, Mickey Mantle had 52 home runs and dude would be like, yeah. 56 and you'd be at the bar arguing and then they'd be like, now you just Google it. You're like, hold on, I'm gonna just fucking Google this real quick and we'll end yeah. this shit real quick. You Google it, Fred's, yep. the, Fred's the asshole who was a fucking liar. He told me not to Google it and he was wrong and then that's <laughs> it, right? So, like, information is exchanged so fast and free. That's why if they don't fuck with the internet, we're good. And little kids pick up, they can, kids love learning and people, not just kids, we all do, you know? The only yeah. time you don't like that is like, if the world pulls it away from you somehow, it's crazy to me. Kids are less intimidated by learning. Yeah. And new things. Yeah. I like that. Like, like, yeah, it's just, they're not afraid they're going to break a phone because to, to, in, in order to learn it, they're going to have to press buttons. Like, they're going to figure it out. Adults are, I think, more like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to, you know. Yeah. But I think that, um, I don't know. I think that that there's a lot that's going to change. But I think that the biggest thing is is looking way beyond the Internet. I think that people don't realize how close we are to um, to artificial intelligence. and yeah. Genetic engineering. Those two things are maybe not in our lifetime, but our kids' lifetime. I mean, that's going to be completely there. Artificial intelligence and genetic modification. They can already do a lot of genetic engineering. And they said that, um, I think it was on a TED Talks or something, they were claiming within the next 20 or 30 years, they think that through genetic engineering and genetic um modification they're going to be able to cure whatever disease you have yeah that's so that's when shit starts getting really interesting yeah because life's going to get really weird i I like that though (laughs) that's fine with me i I think it's crazy man 
Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you now how how we're switching the modes a little bit. Um, I could get so deep in that rabbit hole right there. I love the TED talks too. I'm gonna, I'd like, I'm the same. I'm similar to you, is and I obsess over things that I'm interested in, and I just OD on them. Um, yeah, that stuff's amazing. Um, but I want to switch the gears a little bit. How often have you are you skating nowadays, man? Um, currently probably like once every two weeks. Good session. Not much. But they're building, Rolly's building a new mini ramp setup at Vans right now, and that shit looks super fun. So my hope is to just start skating that after work every day. Wait, really? I still love it, but it's just that I have, I seriously go to work at 8, come home, sleep for like an hour, and then work until like 1 in the morning. Mm. So I just don't have time for it. I skate when I go hang out with my son. And that's pretty much it. it. Do you think your son's gonna want to get sponsored and do stuff like that in skateboarding? I think so. He's definitely not as obsessive as I am. So, and, and he's a little bit more cautious. Actually, not so much as of late. Like he's been killing himself. But he's super good. Like he, we were in Ohio last Christmas and he 360 flipped a seven stair at the skate park first try. Damn. Like he's good. But he's also super into surfing and super into other things. You know, like he has that ability to have balance way more than I did. <laughs> so I'm not sure if he I'm sure he'd love to be sponsored, but I don't know if he's as like obsessive about it as I am. Yeah. That's cool. What does he have does he have your style? Is it genetics? Yeah, you can definitely tell he's my kid. <laughs> Sick. Sure. That's so rad. <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit. You know, it's funny is I saw some footage of Danny Way's son skating their backyard bowl and it looked it looks identical. Like straight to like back. a young D Way. Like super straight back and like good posture and like just powerful. Yeah, he just looks like Danny when he was in like the the first like H Street videos. Yeah. It's just super cool. It's like watching old footage of Danny that you've never seen. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. That's the resume. It's interesting happens <laughs> cool well dude honestly chad i could keep going but i'm gonna go hang out with my dog and girl but dude you fucking that was amazing we did 81 minutes it seemed like it just started 10 minutes ago i know and this is perfect because my friend hasn't got here yet so i don't have to let anybody in yet perfect and perfect. i and, and i don't i don't want to end it early but i do because i want to do a part two so will you come back on and, and we'll give it some time and let it pass for a while and then we'll catch up again absolutely dude awesome. yeah man dude Trust me, I anybody I can have an interesting conversation with, I will be happy to talk to anytime. Yes, we need more of this. I love it's it. It's a rare luxury. <laughs> Sick. So well, I'm all about it, man. The way I, the way I end the show is, um, if you want to plug anything that you're doing, or if, like like if you have any skate footage on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, are you on any of those things? If people want to check out what you've done, and I think all that I've done in the last five years is on i mean i have a behance and a cora plot um like a portfolio site yeah so it's like all my 3d art and my work is on there and that's hey, kind of that? what hey, my what world is now what's that called what's so it how do we find that behance or behance.net i'll send you the link yes and cora plot so yeah i mean i don't there's nothing i want to plug nothing i'm doing i'm just i'm not um in any kind of 
public arena anymore. <laughs> so whatever, man. I was doing my thing. No, that's right, dude. I, honestly, I I really I want to just see what you created. So please send me those links and I'll share them too, because um, I think that shit's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. I think it 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 appeals to skateboarders for some reason. I think because it's a you have to think so hard about what you're doing. Again, it's like it just gets you out of your head, and you can just get immersed in it for hours. That's it's awesome. Fun. Well, thank you so much, Chad. You're the man. Thank you for having me. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time.